This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, not only is Albany the capital of New York, it's also been around longer than most towns in America. Although, the hauntings may predate the city itself. A ghost haunts one of the most well-known houses in the city after a case of betrayal and murder. And Albany Rural Cemetery is said to be haunted by many, including the Grey Lady. But who exactly is this mysterious ghost? Join us as we cover the hauntings of Albany, New York. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The pale moon hung overhead on a cool autumn night as Aaron stared into the entrance to the cemetery, trying to build the courage to enter. It was just past 11 p.m., and after her car wouldn't start at the end of her shift, Erin decided to walk home. She just wanted to be in her bed. She'd deal with the car in the morning. Cutting through the cemetery would shave at least 15 minutes off her walk, but now she was starting to feel uneasy. The golden reddish and brown leaves danced around her feet as a gust of wind hit her back. She took a deep breath and started walking towards the entrance. Erin grew up in the area and had walked through the cemetery plenty of times, but never at night. As she followed the path, the headstones and mausoleums of those long forgotten came into view on both sides of her. The only noise she heard as she walked the dimly lit roadway was the occasional crunch of a leaf beneath her feet. Just think happy thoughts, she said to herself as she kept her eyes forward to make sure she followed the right road. The cemetery was huge, and although she made this walk hundreds of times, that was always in the daylight. This was not the time that she wanted to get lost. She walked past a row of worn mausoleums, and in the distance, she thought she heard the howl of a dog. Just your imagination, keep moving, she said out loud to no one, struggling to swallow afterwards. She approached the pond in the middle of the cemetery. This was one of her favorite places to sit and read during the day. The pond had benches around it, and she loved to steal a quick glance at the swimming ducks in between paragraphs. At night, though, there was a different aura in the air. As she walked around it, she turned her head to stare down at the water, and when her eyes looked at her reflection, she noticed not just her reflection, but the reflection of a woman in an old gray dress just behind her. Erin gasped and turned to confront the woman, but she moved awkwardly and she fell as she twisted around. After a hard thud, she looked up, but the woman wasn't there. Erin grabbed for the few items that had spilled out of her bag and quickly threw them back in, standing up and walking much faster towards the exit. As she rushed through the cemetery, she couldn't help but feel like she was being watched the whole time. And then, just as the exit came into view, she started to hear a woman sing from a distance. She looked around, but saw nothing. Only hearing the faint singing, she turned back to go to the exit and started running, and the closer she got to the exit, the louder the singing would get. Just a few dozen feet before reaching the exit, the singing stopped. As she crossed the threshold, Erin began breathing heavy, with sweat and tears running down her face. She turned back to look at the cemetery and saw a woman walking back towards the center of the graveyard before she slowly began to disappear. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Albany, New York. Albany not only holds the distinction of being the capital of the state of New York, 
but it is also the oldest continuous settlement of the original 13 colonies operating since before 1614. The city is also a place of first and invention, boasting a stop on the first passenger railroad in America, as well as perforated toilet paper and a bakery responsible for the term a baker's dozen. A city with this much history is sure to have its fill of haunted locations. One of those is the Capitol building itself. It took 32 years to construct and over four architects to design it. Within the ornate and elegant building, one stone carver hid the face of a devil. The legend within the building states that if you are able to find it yourself without help, then you, yourself, are a devil. William Morris Hunt was an artist who created two murals within the Capitol that were considered breathtaking. After damage to the building a decade later, the ceilings had to be lowered, which covered the paintings. William became distraught, and in 1879, his bloated corpse was found in a New Hampshire pond, many believing that the covering of his masterpieces caused him to take his own life. Shortly after that, within the capital, many started to see a shadow-like figure lurking and feeling an angry presence. It is believed to be the ghost of William. On March 29, 1911, a fire would break out within the capital, destroying the paintings. Also in the building that night was 78-year-old night watchman Samuel Abbott. Instead of leaving the building, he was seen opening windows and trying to save important documents from the education center within the building. He wouldn't have time to save many, as the flames and smoke proved to be too much. The beloved night watchman is still believed to be completing his nightly rounds. The sound of keys jingling have caused people to stop and look around while they're in the building at night. As they look throughout the hallways or rooms or call out, they notice that no one else is around. Mediums have even been called in to investigate the building, and they have also seen Mr. Abbott completing his nightly rounds as the watchman. On May 7, 1827, in the now historic Cherry Hill House, John Whipple sat at his desk in his second-floor bedroom. While looking over papers for work, a thunderous bang would ring out and John would feel a sting. He quickly stood up and reached out for the now-burning area on his body and realized he had been shot. He cried out, Oh God! and stumbled a few feet forward, falling down and dying. The man who fired the bullet from a tree outside his window was Jesse Strang. Jesse had been having an affair with John's wife, Elsie. Elsie came from a well-established elite family from the city and had married John at a young age. In the beginning, many within Elsie's family believed that John had married her for her money. But in the years to come, he had proven much more and even improved their wealth exponentially. Still, Elsie no longer wanted to be married to John and thought his death was the only way out. She met Jesse while out one evening and began seducing him in order for him to do away with her husband. At first, they tried to poison John with arsenic, but the dose was too low and it only caused him to be a little sick. Soon, shooting him seemed like the only way to be done with John. In the meantime, Jesse had began working and living at the house under a fake name. Elsie and Jesse began spreading rumors of enemies out to get John and seeing strange men at the house to establish an alibi. After John's death, this worked for a little bit, but the pair were acting a bit too suspicious after the murder, and the police pulled Jesse in. He confessed to everything, but placed most of the blame on Elsie, thinking she wouldn't have a heavy sentence because of her being a socialite and woman. What he didn't count on 
was the separate trials that would be conducted. Jesse would be found guilty and sentenced to hang. On August 24, 1827, upwards of 40,000 people would show up to watch Jesse be executed. The hanging would not go as planned. Jesse's neck did not break upon his fall from the gallows, and the crowd would watch him suffer until death for over an hour. This would be the last public hanging in Albany. Elsie's trial went quite differently. A jury would find her innocent of all charges without even standing up to go deliberate. Since the murder, there have been reports of multiple ghostly activity at Cherry Hill. Heavy wooden doors have opened and closed on their own. One day, during a tour, a guide was being asked about the murders. As she began to answer, one of the heavy wooden doors nearby suddenly slammed shut, causing the tour guide and several guests to scream. On another occasion during a school field trip, students and tour guides began hearing the faint, eerie sound of a woman singing from upstairs in the house. Thinking one of the students had run off, teachers and guides went up to find the prankster, only for no one to be up there. Throughout the years, there have been numerous reports of the ghost of a man walking through the house and on the grounds. Many believe this to be the ghost of John Whipple himself, unable to find peace at his grave in Albany Rural Cemetery. The Albany Rural Cemetery began operating in April of 1841. Covering 467 acres of land, the cemetery itself is considered one of the most beautiful in the country. Sprawling sculptures for headstones and exquisite mausoleums have made this a destination for families of the deceased and visitors alike since it opened. In fact, in the late 1800s, families would tour the grounds by horse and carriage, and it also was a spot to escape the city and picnic with the family. A massive cemetery such as this, of course, is no stranger to ghost stories of its own. Much like other cemeteries we've covered, spectral black dogs lurk around Albany Rural Cemetery. Howls have been heard in the distance, and reports of the black dogs with red eyes following people throughout have been frequent throughout the years. In August of 1906, a horse pulling a carriage suddenly seemed to go mad and began running out of control. He came running into the cemetery and all throughout before fatally crashing headfirst into one of its monuments. Since that time, the specter of an out-of-control horse has been heard and seen recklessly traversing the roads of the cemetery. The graveyard has also been the place for several tragedies over the years. Anna T. Osterhod was distraught after her husband's death, unable to shake the melancholy she went to his grave within the cemetery and used his revolver to take her own life while sitting in front of his grave. She is now buried with her beloved husband in the spot she took her own life, and many have seen a sad woman near the gravestone before she quickly vanishes from sight. Mrs. Mary Douglas, very much like Anna, entered the cemetery sad after her husband had passed. She also could no longer take the pain. Instead of a revolver, though, she sat at her husband's grave and drank arsenic until she passed. And also like Anna, she is now forever buried within the cemetery with her husband and has been seen walking around her gravesite. A woman's voice has been heard singing throughout the graveyard on occasion. Perhaps it's the sad songs of Anna or Mary. Or maybe it's the Grey Lady. On November 29, 1927, Mrs. Ellen T. McCombs wandered among tombstones in the early morning mist and entered the woods that framed Bethesda Lake. Cemetery workers were curious seeing this thin gray-haired woman wearing a sad expression on her face, wander into the cemetery as dawn was breaking. It turns out she had chosen this lake as the place for her death. When no one saw her return, they went to investigate. 
and only found her hat floating in the middle of the lake. Later, her body was found after dragging the lake. Since then, many visitors have come face to face with the Grey Lady of the cemetery. Visitors have reported seeing a woman in all grey appear out of nowhere and stalk them throughout the cemetery. Walking through this graveyard is akin to traveling through time as you see the different eras of tombstones you pass by. Although cemeteries are a place of sorrow in general, the question has to be asked, is it just sadness or is there something more going on here that has caused multiple people to come to the grounds and take their own life? gentlemen welcome into hometown ghost stories episode number 112 we are checking out new york again i'm jesse wilkins joined by rob coakley hello rob people might be wondering why in the opening of albany's history i left in that they made up the term baker's dozen and that they are the inventors of perforated toilet paper and the answer to that question is because anytime i can point out that new yorkers can't can't count and are full of shit i'm gonna do it Okay. We're also joined by Dave Wilkins, who also can't count and is full of shit. Hello, Dave. This is true and a well-constructed joke, Rob. Thanks. Thank you. We were in, we were in one of the comedy capitals of the world over the weekend, so we were apparently I had, to, had to bring it. Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely worked out for Rob. Yeah, look at him. All fresh and new with all sorts of jokes. This is a cool one. This is a sad one with some really sad stories and a cemetery where people keep t- taking their lives in a few buildings that are absolutely pretty wild. I'm excited to talk about this one. So this is episode number 112 of hometown ghost stories. As we mentioned, we did just get back from Texas. Rob immediately left Massachusetts, just couldn't stick around. So now he's in Indianapolis. Once again, streaming from a different city every week as we continue this trend of the hometown ghost stories world tour. Uh, Indy is a place. Have we covered Indy or is that one that we were just talking about? We should be covering. We haven't covered Indianapolis itself, but we have done an Indiana episode or two because I believe the Whispers estate was in Indiana. So very good. Um, but when I go to these places, I look and I see what haunted history the, the city or the town has. Where can I go to? And that's actually how this Albany episode came together. I was in the area. I was looking up some of the haunted history and I came across the Albany Rural Cemetery and I didn't even mention it in the episode, but Chester A. Arthur is buried there. He was the president of the United States. And I'm like, well, if it's good enough for a president to be buried at, I might as well go check it out. And when we start talking about the cemetery, like it is, you know, not it is a beautiful cemetery. I've never seen one quite like it, to be perfectly honest. I'm sure there might be others like it, but this cemetery in general looks like a bunch of well-to-do society members. We're just trying to continuously one up each other and just build the grandest headstones that they could. Some of these things are absolutely massive. Like they just, I've never seen, I've seen really cool graveyards, but I've never seen like this battle of let me have the most grand headstone within the space to this degree at all and it is a beautiful cemetery but it's also really strange in the fact that like when you pull in it's really well kept like obviously from all the the graveyards you have that pond or like little water area right in the middle of the cemetery you can go sit at there's ducks there but then there's like little like patches of the cemetery sections that they're not cutting the grass and the trails are a little overrun. And you're like, why is the rest of the cemetery getting 
this treatment and the rest of these little areas are kind of uh overlooked i'll say a little bit i just found that really interesting i'm sure there's a reason for it but um i don't know i kind of like the look though i kind of like the look so you have like the the well-groomed parts of it and then you also have the uh overgrown parts which adds to the creepiness of it which we like as well it did remind me a little bit with some of the headstones some of the statues of the cemetery that we just visited as we've mentioned we just got back from austin texas and we went to the cemetery out there which was supposed to be one of the more haunted locations we'll get into it more when we actually cover austin in one of maybe two episodes so we'll see how that goes but i'm excited about it but it did remind me of that where you have different statues and the one that we were in austin had all sorts of graves like that where it seemed like not necessarily that they're trying to one-up each other, but that each one was more grand than the next and some really, really cool looking ones. Let's start by talking about the Capitol building before we start talking about more of the cemetery and more of the hauntings. This Capitol building is unlike any, I mean, we're talking about a cemetery unlike any other. This Capitol building is, it took almost 30 years to build this thing. It looks like a castle. It is grand in scale. I mean, it is just absolutely beautiful. And I, just to start off with it, I, I love how one of the stonemasons just went rogue and was like, you know what? I'm going to just put this devil up in this corner. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to see it. And uh, it was finally, dis- I don't know when it was discovered, if people saw it right away, but it's. I guess it's really hard to see unless pointed out to you, but it is a terrifying little guy. Uh, I love it. I love that they just snuck him in there. <laughs> yeah, just we get, get this little devil like face right in here. He just looks it's like, like he's hiding. It's like a miniature Swansea devil type of deal where they just kind of hid this in there. I mean, I, I think the rumor is obviously just a rumor to, to go along with the story. Like, if you can find it, you're a devil too. Like, all right. Was that the know, intention that's... the sculptor had when he put it in there? Or is that just something that developed over time? It sounds like it was something that developed over time because I don't even know if they know which uh, stone cutter put it in there mm. because I don't know when it was found. I didn't I didn't see any info on when they actually discovered it. it could have been found 40 years for all I know after it was put in there and stuff. So I thought I thought that was an interesting little tidbit to throw in there to start to start talking about this. But we do have some really different ghost stories to start with the artist who made these two grand murals right within within the halls of this place and almost immediately they had to be covered up because of structural purposes as they were building the place for some reason they had to lower the ceiling which caused the murals to be covered and apparently this guy took it really hard when he found out he, he has so many paintings they're actually really good and but these were like his his pride and joy that he made these ones. And they said he took it really hard. And I mentioned in the episode that he was found dead floating in a pond or like in a body of water in New Hampshire. And I read that it was actually at the Isle of Shoals. Oh, so, oh. you know, an interesting little callback to another episode that we've done. So he's supposed they think it's him They They haven't confirmed it. There hasn't been a full body apparition. There's just uh, after he died, they started feeling cold spots. They started feeling this angry presence basically there. So they, they're tying him to it. It might be him, might not be him. But it seems logical that if that's the reason that he did take his own life and he was so proud of those, that that would be a place you would go back to. Because now you want to see those those murals back. I mean, they're gone for good. And the mysterious fire, right? We, we've seen a lot of fires revolve around some of these poltergeist activities and stuff. And you wonder, I mean, was it probably spectral? Probably not. But it, it's just an interesting coincidence that the fire started and took out the murals right where he was, right, 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 right where they were. For sure. So I I just, it's so different. And the fact that it leads to another haunting, right? So you, you have this one haunting that there's a cause and effect with the fire and that fire actually brings about sort of an opposite haunting where you get a friendly presence out of it, of the night watchman. 
who was this older gentleman in his 70s, took care of the place that night. And instead of trying to save himself, which maybe he couldn't, maybe there was a reason he couldn't get down to the first floor, he starts throwing what he thinks is important out of the Capitol building, books from the education from the education department and everything, and uh, relics. He tried to save a lot of the relics that were in there until he succumbed to the to the smoke and the flames. And ever since then, you have this spectral. He's actually been seen like a full body apparition of the Night Watchman has been seen on occasion. But the different haunting with him is people hear the jingling of keys as he's walking around the Capitol building and they look around. There's no one else in there that's workers and stuff. And they, they think someone's in there with them and he's just not there to be seen, but they hear the keys jingling. So a little is the fire, uh, the fire associated with that spirit or is that spirit associated with the fire? They think, or I, I've seen it two different hauntings. I've seen it both ways where people are trying to associate it with him because the murals went up. I mean, I saw no hard evidence that that is why the fire started, but you can't rule it. I, I guess you don't rule it out, but I would assume not. I just think it's a, a coincidence that that right. occurred. Cause you did mention possible poltergeist activity there and poltergeist can have, as we've talked about elemental. Um, right backgrounds and we're talking about albany new york and that was native american land to the mohawk tribe and the mohican tribe so it'd be interesting to look into that to see if there's any ties in with um the element of fire that's actually a great point because we don't know that that's who the actual ghost is and this is this albany is the longest running concurrent settlement in america it, it was here before plymouth so it, it was built around 1614 and it's been continuously running since then. So it's either the oldest or the second oldest. I, I don't remember offhand. I know they were here after Jamestown, but Jamestown stopped operating for a while. So to your point, Dave, that's the long way of saying if the Native Americans are mad at anybody, it's going to be Albany because that's almost where it starts, right? Like that's where they, they started building up their settlements and stuff. So I, I can totally see that. So Albany was the first, so wait, the first settlement or? Yeah, yeah. there was like a fort there in 1614, I believe. It's the longest running, it's not the first settlement. Yeah, I was gonna say that'd be pretty far inland, right? But it's the longest one that has been operating as a settlement since being developed, so. Gotcha. Gotcha. That, that's basically what it is. That's the way they word it. Fun fact. It, Sorry, Brodad asked the most important question, which is, is there an Albany rock? <laughs> I did not come across it, but... Rumor has it know, they do have rocks, though. So They, they have at least one rock, uh, from that. what I saw. There was There's that. To go back rock. to the guy that, that um, got really upset about his painting being covered, I could, I could get that if, like, he painted the thing and they're like, wow, great work paint over that but like, like they had to right they had to like lower the ceilings or whatever you know so it's not like it was like a slight at his artwork i get that it's upsetting to you maybe they could have done something to preserve them but i, I don't think so so I, I mean still a sad story the way that it ended and the fire is is wild did we did, did anybody else die in the fire or was he the only one uh, he was the only one that that passed away in the fire it happened at nighttime he's the only one in the building so it is, he's the only one that succumbed to the flames and the smoke. No one else. The, the interesting thing about the fire from what I was reading is to your, this also goes to your point, Dave, there, there was some artifacts and relics that were not hurt by the fire that they thought should have just gone up in flames, almost like the fire danced around them. So that that was a unique element to it as well. I, I wanted to include it in the opening, but I couldn't find info on what items it actually was. And that's what I really would have liked to have included is like it was this, 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 and this, but they didn't they didn't list it at all. Basically, that's the story of the Capitol building. And moving on from the Capitol building. Is the story that should be a movie, I think. 
right? Like this, this murder at Cherry Hill House, like that's even the title. Like, how do you not just make a movie? Um, producer credit, by the way, if anyone makes this movie, I want a producer credit, even though it's a real story and I probably <laughs> can't get that. But John Whipple, the, the murder, John Whipple at the Cherry Hill House, it, it has all the makings of a classic book or movie. You have murder, you have betrayal, you have, you have all of that going on. And he's sitting at his desk at night and he's just shot and he screams out, Oh God, and falls to the floor. Someone heard him actually scream out, Oh God. This guy is sitting outside in a tree to kill him. Yes. Like, like, <laughs> like this, this is a movie. And then you come to find out the layers of it where he's in a bar or a tavern one night. This woman comes in, he's like eyeing her. And he finds out she's married and his friends like nudging him on like she wouldn't be the first married woman to to sleep with somebody else. And so he strikes up conversation with her. And it seems like this was her way out of her marriage with John for whatever reason. She met him when she was like 14 or 15 back in the day, her, her husband, John. And maybe she just grew out of wanting to be married to him. What was wild is they didn't see it coming because at the at the wedding the priest that was uh, marrying them. He said, until death do you part from a guy in a tree outside your window. <laughs> I don't know how they didn't see it coming. Yeah. Was, the guy, was, the, guy, was the guy in the tree when he met her when she was 14? Um, I think most people that take 14 year old brides are, are sitting in trees. Working in trees yeah. Yeah, just, just lurking. <laughs> fucking creeps. Yeah. Well, at least the guy in the tree wasn't, didn't meet her when she was 14. She was actually of age at that point. So who's, who's the real monster here? But she couldn't. She couldn't the divorce tree. him. The tree for supporting those kind yeah. of people. Yeah. yeah. How do you? How do you? Let her <laughs> <laughs> so she. She's part. She is part of this high society family. Yeah, she was a. She was a socialite. Right. She's this socialite, and the guy she marries is a little below her station. Not much, but the family thought he was marrying her strictly for money stuff. But he comes in. He. From everything you read, he treated her well. We don't know what happened behind closed doors, right? Um, but there's no signs that he ever mistreated her. And he actually took the family's money and made them more money and helped the family out even more. And they're like, well, he's actually treating our, you know, our daughter right. He's making us more money. They ended up really liking him. They, they thought everything was fine. She must have been miserable. She goes out, she finds this dude, and they start by by planning to kill him via poison. They don't give him enough arsenic. And then they're actually don't jump to shooting him. She wanted to shoot him. She wanted him to shoot him. She wanted Jesse to shoot her husband right away. But they they were like, uh, no, no. He's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So they start asking other members of the help to to kill him. And everyone's like, no not doing that we live here bro like i'm not gonna kill this dude because that because the help lived on site and he actually takes a job so this is why this is a movie like so he co he comes in under a fake name takes a job at the house he's married by the way jesse is married just leaves his wife and kids to, to do this falls in love with this woman just gonna make things just gonna clear it up we're not talking about me all right <laughs> you didn't shoot a guy in a tree I'm not going to rule it out, but yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, he eventually gets talked into it and he climbs this tree and he takes him out, shoots him. And they were trying to set up alibis by, at first they were telling people around town, like, yo, John has so many enemies. And everyone's like, why are you telling me this? I don't care about John Whipple and his, and his enemies. So they were trying to set it up. Like they would say that mysterious men were coming to the house too. Lurking in the trees and stuff. Lurk, you know? Lurking in the trees and Saw stuff. Saw another guy in the tree today. Saw yeah. him just chilling, just hanging out there. He, he had a gun. He had a gun and he repelled <laughs> down. He's getting ready yeah. for something. Yeah, he's just chill. We didn't stop him. We just we just watched. Mm -hmm. And then they try to set up their own alibis, but it it ends up backfiring because they become, they overact basically. You see this all the time still. People just go too far with it. They, they, yeah, they, they just, murder someone. <laughs> You've gone a little too far this time. He was well, talking but, about hiding in a tree. That's too far. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's too high up. It's dangerous. 
so they they end up getting pinched and jesse confesses to everything it's like i did it but it was all her idea he's trying to pin as much as he can on her because he knows who her family is he knows that she's a woman he thinks that they can if not both get off get a reduced sentence and they're like nope straight to the gallows for you buddy we we don't care you're you're just a lowly peasant in our eyes we're gonna bring you to the gallows and then she gets up on trial and they don't even the thing that caught my attention they're like the jury didn't even leave their seats they didn't even go deliberate they were just like nah not guilty it's like man life life must be nice when you're that That much of a socialite well not even it's not even just being a socialite i mean that definitely helped but it was like that back then people refused to believe that a woman was capable of a brutal crime like that we saw this in the south carolina episode with the uh, serial killer down there or the yeah. woman who was believed to be a serial killer, she thought she was going to get off because they typically wouldn't execute women just because they couldn't fathom the idea. Yeah. So, and then Jesse, I believe, is the last man that is executed in Albany because we once again have a botched execution. Hopefully not the last Jesse to be executed. Yeah, we're, we're you know, fingers <laughs> crossed. Hopefully not the last botched execution, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I want to suffer. <laughs> so he he comes down. Thirty to forty thousand people came to watch him um, get executed. And I found an interesting paper. If I can find it again, I'll I'll post it in the Discord. But it's not even about Jesse's execution itself. It's about the crowd surrounding the execution and what's going on within the crowd the day of the execution and how the how the crowd's acting. And you're like, man, this is what they were doing 150 years ago, right? Just going to executions and if they partying. Had public, if they had public executions, depending on the crime, I'd go. Would you? Yeah, I think so. If they're like hanging a local pedophile or something like that, I'd be like, yeah, I'm in. I'm going to go watch it from a tree. Yeah, but, the, but they... It was like a party, though, is the thing. Is I'd what party I'm... For, I'd party at that execution in a tree. It'd be dangerous. <laughs> I think that they could. You could make a an argument for the for the death penalty if if we brought back gladiators. That could that would be. Yes. I go to. I think we've talked about this on the show. I I'm actually sure described have. the plot of some movie that I haven't seen. Yeah, gladiator. <laughs> no, actually, a different one. <laughs> yeah, you, we de- we definitely have this entire gladiator too. Are they? I thought they were. Yeah, I thought they were talking about making one. No, they are making it. How? I don't understand. I mean, there's more gladiators. There's probably not on the same. No, I think they're making it with Russell Crowe. They're making it with Russell Crowe. Is the thing? Oh, he's gonna have to get in shape. (laughs) He's gonna have to get undead. He's. Yeah. Didn't they kill him? Did yeah, he die? he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> not the Russell Crowe's not dead. I was gonna say I'm like that. The character is dead. Yeah. yeah, but but that whole story, like the the crowd, like they're drinking, they're swearing. It's just this whole party atmosphere. Okay, hang and, on. Now now I'm out. I didn't know they were swearing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but it was a big deal back then. Yeah. Right. We, we, I mean, we just heard about it when we went to the Driscoll hotel where they said that like men had to go to a different place because they would say naughty words and women weren't allowed to hear the naughty words and stuff. So whole different atmosphere. He, he, his botched hanging is actually just sitting there for an hour until he dies. And it's just like, just, just put a bullet in my head at that point. Like, like what's worse to see a guy sh- like sit there for an hour or, or to see a guy take the bullet to the brain, right? Hey, they brought up that big-ass crowd. i got to give him a show for a while. I just don't know how he hanged there for an entire hour and didn't die. He probably died like after a couple of minutes, right? And they just left him there like, I don't know if he's dead yet. Keep him up no, there. No, they said he was struggling the whole time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So anyway, so then we get the hauntings at the Cherry Hill House, and they believe that it is John Whipple um, that, that was killed in the house. They've had reports of the haunting since – basically the murder and you get a man walking through the hallways, you get your shadow apparitions, you get cool sensation, but you don't get any negative energy from what, from what I've read. It's all just a, it feels mostly residual. I didn't see anything about overly intelligent hauntings except for the slamming of the doors, right? So you get the door slamming when they were talking about the murder 
So was that John Whipple like not wanting to hear about it? Was that his way of being like, I'm, I'm all set with this? Or was it his wife? Because we get the woman singing from the second floor where there's a whole crowd of people there and no one's actually on the second floor. You hear a woman singing, like humming. I think it's the ghost it of the creepy dude in the tree singing like a woman. Yeah. That's what I'm Luring think. him. Yeah. Luring him to stand up and <laughs> come close the, the, the shades so they can shoot him. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. So, that I mean, th- that whole story just should be a movie. And you could even throw the hauntings in it, right? Okay. Like you could do that. You could do that whole movie and and center it around the hauntings and just be replaying the whole thing. It, it just it has all the elements of a story. She ended up getting remarried, but dying within like five or six years from what I was reading. And there's not much else known about her. I, I don't even think you know. It's not even low listed where she is buried. She moved away um, after the crime, understandably so. Right. Mm. Like you can't, you can't live in Albany after you are part of that. So no, you got away with that. You get out of there. Yeah. You gotta go. So that's the Cherry Hill house, which is, which is a whole intriguing story. Highly recommend going to read more about that. Yeah. I think chat was saying while the video was playing that this house, excuse me, this house looked like it was built to be a haunted house. Yeah. And the hauntings there line up with the events that happened there and could certainly be haunted. Definitely looks like it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to uh, actually, Dave, why don't you tell us the story that you found from Albany? Yes, yeah, so this we back up a little bit to the Capitol building. Now, this isn't this building isn't part of the Capitol building. It's the uh, state education building, which is on the same compound, but it's a different actual building. And it's home to the most notorious urban legend in Albany. It's the New York State Education Building, if I didn't already just say that. So when the building was being constructed in the early 1900s, an Italian stonemason named Jason was working alongside others on the first floor of the building when he tripped into the basement, which was being filled with concrete. This is all according to Albany Student Press Online. As Jason struggled, an Irish stonemason scowled, angry at Jason for being so careless around the job site. The legend says the Irish stonemason uttered sadistically, I just keep filling as Jason suffocated under the pouring concrete. The story reflects popular sentiment at the time as tension between working class Irish immigrants and Italian immigrants in the city were at an all time high. One could simply write a story off. However, employees who braved the basement would disagree. Workers in the education building who are required to venture down into the basement, dubbed the dungeon after the story, testify that they interact with Jason's ghost quite often. Consensus says that Jason is friendly, even helpful, as the book they'd be looking for falls off the shelf behind them as if Jason was aiding them in their search. Some workers feel chills running up their spines after going down the elevator as Jason looks to keep them company on their ride. So a pretty gruesome history, but Mm. a pretty friendly, seemingly friendly haunting. Yeah. Which isn't always correlated. No, it's, it's nice to see that like even under terrible circumstances, you can come back and not be a dick. I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least it's a happy haunting. So, you know, happy story overall, happy I guess. Yeah. I would totally come back and be a dick though. <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you're suffocated in concrete intentionally. Yeah. yeah. There's no way I'm being nice to anybody. All because you were, because you accidentally fell. <laughs> like, yeah. How dare you? How yeah, dare you? Piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were in this death. Uh, a few other haunted locations in Albany. There's the old English pub, which was built mm-hmm. in 1736. Of course, it resides in the historic Quackenbush House. Uh, Quackenbush. Yeah, the second oldest building in Albany. It was home to the Dutch Quackenbush family who lived in the home for over a century. Since the last Quackenbush's departure in 1864, the building has been everything from an antique store to a boarding house to a tavern. It's hard to say from which era the ghosts come from, though. So uh, Mm. they lurk around the business after closing time, but they have made themselves well known. Most people say that when they stare into the pub's mirrors, they see some phantom faces staring back at them. And staff have heard voices and sounds up from the basement when nobody else is there so kind of a quick haunting there but the mirror ones are always terrifying especially when you see some face that isn't supposed to be there especially when it could be a quackenbush <laughs> so i wonder that. if the people who report seeing phantom faces in the reflection staring back at them are people who look like phantoms mm-hmm. that would explain it 
Yeah, that can do it. Uh, there's there's one that's close to Albany. I don't think we're going to cover this place, but we might. So maybe down the line. But there's the Old Stone, uh, Old Stone Fort Museum. A lot of history to it. It's super old. It was uh, originally a church in 1772, back during the American Revolution. It was attacked by British forces in 1780. And um, one of the cannonballs struck the building and left a hole that can still be viewed today. We had one of those like that down in Gettysburg where the cannonball is still lodged in the wall, right? This one, mm-hmm. you can still see the hole that was there. I don't know if the cannonball is still there, but the building is uh, surrounded by a large cemetery, which is not surprising since it used to be a church. It was featured on an episode of Ghost Hunters, and staff and members have told tales of paranormal experiences within the museum. Reports have included the sights of an apparition in a doorway to the library, the sound of a woman screaming from a tower, and the sound of footsteps on the vacant second floor. Many guests have even felt a presence prevent them from climbing up the stairs. I think the screaming woman in the tower is probably the most interesting haunt in that, in that place. But that is, I mean, a, it is, but that last one, it stands out too, being prevented from going up the stairs. Mm-hmm. We've heard we got that one other place. I can't remember where it was, but they would get like frozen on the stairs where it's like, yeah. you just couldn't, couldn't move up. So anyways, you also have the copper crow. Uh, it said that there's a ghost of a young child reported a uh, reported a 19th century newspaper. He had tragically drowned while playing in something on the property. Uh, still plays at the bar. He's often knocking objects off of the countertops. There are also reports of a uh, night watchman who still spends his time patrolling the second floor. Employees often hear his voice or footsteps walking above them while alone. Mm-hmm. So that's coming from Albany.org. Sounds pretty official for some ghost hauntings, but that is uh, those are some other ones around the uh, Albany area. Yeah, let's get into the main event of Albany, which is the Albany Rural Cemetery. We kind of hit on like the surroundings, the the structures and stuff, but let's talk about some of these hauntings. I want to start with the spectral dogs, the spectral black dogs with red eyes. How many cemeteries have we heard have this exact haunting right i i believe it was savannah had this as well uh, yeah not just savannah we see it all the time that's my point yeah. it is it's this is a this is an it becomes more and more interesting the more and more we hear it yeah you get right? it in the woods around uh the hex hollow house as well so it's, it's supposed to be affiliated with demons it's supposed to be demonic you see um, the hounds or the wolves with red eyes, then it could be, or the black dogs as well. So it could be something demonic, which is obviously rather alarming. Yeah. I'd like to try to find out. I, I mean, I know you're, you're giving some of the history there by saying it's demonic, but I'd like to, at some point, try to dig a little deeper into this particular type of haunting and so, see if we can find some more on it. I mean, hearing howls, at night, it could, uh, actually, uh, Nancy brings up could be coyotes, could be wolves. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a haunting, but if you're seeing the glowing red eyes, that's that's scary. Well, hellhounds. The legend of hellhounds is that they are guardians of the un- the underworld or hell, and their purpose is to act as a guard to prevent other beings from entering and leaving hell. So they could be positive, not just demonic. If you if you if you see these things. If the idea is that they're guarding the cemetery from bad things coming from hell, if the cemetery is considered like a portal or something. So that's one, one theory, but they're, the legend is that they are guardians of the underworld. Gotcha. Um, I do have some other hauntings. Oh, before we get into some other of these hauntings, one that I didn't include in the episode is it sounds a little silly at first, but then you think about it and it actually is a bit more creepy is a lot of the full body apparitions that are seen within this cemetery are seen in the style of like the night, the 1800s pajamas. They see that. And, and I think like it's it, just, it sounds Dr. Like, Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's, that's what I was picturing. But but I think that might be some of like what they were buried in at the time, if I recall, right? Like those. That's why like you get the image of the ghost because of of what they're like the 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 all white ghost. Like it looks like it right. has... when you have when you have women in nightgowns as a ghost or just at night wandering mm-hmm. around the streets or anything. 
unbelievably mm-hmm. creepy when you have a man in his like pajama like <laughs> it's just unbelievably goofy so it's it's hard to find it scary but it is, it is until uh, you see it i bet if your ass was walking around that cemetery at night and this see-through man in these pajamas were coming up to you you'd probably uh, shit yourself better than seeing a man in see-through pajamas i suppose <laughs> depending on the man uh, yes so i i also got a ghost story there is a blog for albany rural cemetery and this person runs this blog which is pretty cool just documenting a different different stuff about the cemetery she wrote this back in 2014 she said she's personally experienced a few odd things in the cemetery several years ago while walking in the general vicinity of the mcintyre plot i felt someone gently but firmly touched the back of my head i could rule out overhanging branches mischievous friends, and such normal explanations. On another occasion, I looked up from photographing a Revolutionary War veteran's headstone and saw briefly, but clearly, a white figure walking towards me in the tall grass. In the 1990s, while walking with my dog on the middle ridge just uphill from the Depizer Dual vault, I heard a beautiful female voice humming a few bars of a melody just about a foot from me. The tune repeated twice, and I noticed my Pomeranian was staring intently in the direction that the voice came from. There was nobody nearby. Those so, are pretty creepy. They're all creepy. Very scary, especially and the singing. The, the singing, for some reason, singing always is terrifying to me in terms no, of ghost No, somebody story. touches my head. That's all right, well, well, okay. You got to put it in order, though. You see a ghost, a full-bodied apparition walking towards you. That is scary, number one. Scary, number two, is probably someone touching your head. Scary, number three, is probably the singing, depending on what song she's singing. Right? If she's singing Khalees, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Yeah. Not as creepy. Unless she's singing it very slowly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That might be even more creepy. My milkshake brings all the boys. Yeah, never mind. I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm running running away. All of a sudden, that song has just gotten very creepy. I'm going to record that. My milkshake brings all the boys to the graveyard. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. We have a new music video we have to create. Um, what, What I liked about her stories is she has multiple stories, but It's not like she was like, I was walking on Monday and this happened. I was walking on Tuesday and this happened. This is the span of over, you know, from the 1990s on. So she's talking about like a 25 year span of these three different stories. She's, she's there all the time. She's not experiencing it every single day. She has three stories over the course of that. So I I don't think she's embellishing at all. I, I really enjoy hearing stuff like that. I have, one more from this blog that someone left a comment on is about a hitchhiker. I didn't bring up the hitchhiker story because it's just such a common story, but this person, they they were unknown on the blog. They were told a story by their mother who lived in Albany. She had two friends in high school who worked what was then in the country on the outskirts of Albany. They were going to the city to sell wares from their farm. Cemetery was on the way in front of the cemetery waited a beautiful girl by the side of the road. Men of that age would always have stopped to aid a woman. The two brothers were in the front seat, and according to the, to the moors of the times, the girls would have gotten into the rear, according to safety and custom. They apparently spoke to her, but she only gave an address in the city of Albany. It was a short drive, but when they got there, no one was in the back seat. Shaken, they contacted the residents, only to meet a family member who stated that girl had died years ago. Wow. Virgin girls were buried in white dresses, and they swore that was what they saw. Their Catholic family was outraged and brought them to priests, but they stuck to the story, although admitting they had no explanation. Years passed, and after World War II, my mother met one of the brothers. Sadly, the other was killed in the war. When asked by my mother, he still vowed that it was all true. Um, so I thought that was a, Damn, is, that, very, is that why we get so many women in white? It, it could be. Yeah. It could definitely be the reason why you see all, all the women in white, um, because of what they were buried in or, or the, the wedding dress thing, wedding dresses are white. Yeah. Did, did I miss the part of the story where, how did she die? Um, I don't think it said it just said that she had died okay, years. I wonder if before. she got killed by a hitchhiker. 
Mm. Hmm. Or like a, some, not a hitchhiker, but like somebody that had picked her up while she was hitchhiking. Yeah. But like the, the weird thing with this cemetery, and I'm actually shocked we don't hear more of this or have more of these stories where we have loved ones, like wives, you know, spouses coming to the cemetery under being just overly sad going to their spouse's grave and taking their own lives in a variety of ways and haunting the area that they took their own life. We, we have three instances of it in this graveyard alone. And I, I'm just shocked. We don't hear more of it. When, when we look into these graveyards, you would think that would, I mean, unfortunately it would be more of a thing, right? Because of, because of what it is. I just, it kind of caught my attention by being different, but being like, wow, I, I bet this happens more than we have ever thought. Right. Like, it's just not something I thought about. It's like, but it makes sense. It sucks. Right. And it's just not any fun to talk about. So it, I would imagine it happens relatively frequently. I mean, you get your hotspots for this kind of activity. I mean, like you get hotels, casinos or casino parking lots more particularly, obviously inside of your home. And then I would assume the graveyard of a loved or like the, the final resting place of a loved one is probably a, a place that it happens often. I don't know. That's just, but you depressing. also, you also end up getting buried in that spot too. Right. So it's like a, it's like a double whammy where you go and you take your own life in the spot that you're eventually most likely going to be buried because you're gonna be buried next to your spouse. Right. And that's kind of an important part when it comes to the hauntings, which is a lot of people say like, why would a graveyard be haunted? This is not where they died. This is not where their energy left their body. In many cases, it's not even a place that this person has ever been. So why would their spirit be there? So in, in a lot of cases, a lot of graveyards just aren't haunted. But then you have situations like this, and that just one-ups the whole reason why the graveyard is going to be haunted in the first place. Yeah. Now they died there. Now they're tied to that location. Their energy left their body in that location. It went somewhere, and it could very well still be haunting the graveyard. Yeah. So just a, a whole different scenario on why it, to your, you, you nailed it perfectly. Why this graveyard could be haunted for those ones. And we have another singing ghost here, just, you know, just wandering the graveyard singing. And this is a big graveyard. Like this place is over 40 acres. So I drove around this, this place. If you don't know where you're going, you could get lost in here really easily. Like there's two entrances. There's a, there's a, I believe it's a North and a South gate. It might be East and West, but I believe it's North and South to get in and out of this place. But in between it's sectioned off. It's like section 107, section 106. And it's not in a, in a perfect grid. You take a wrong turn, dude, you are going to be lost in the sauce in this graveyard. So trying to, if you were trying to walk through this place at night and you don't know where you're going, you could get turned around super duper easily um, I, dude, I want to go to this graveyard at night. Like I'm willing to risk it all to walk through this thing because seeing this thing in the moonlight with these, you know, 15 foot, 20 foot gravestones, these amazing mausoleums, it, it just would, it would be a sight. Some of these statues, like the, these sculptures that they have, of like the angels, which we we've, I feel like we've covered them a lot of times in the last couple of weeks, actually mm-hmm. these that are changing colors and it almost looks like they're crying like black tears and, and or crying blood or whatever. Those yeah. are terrifying during the day. Just imagine shining yeah. your flashlight up at one of those at night. It's just, yeah, it's terrifying. And, and it's something that's supposed to be comforting and religious and not terrifying at all. And it's just all of a sudden is the most horrifying sculpture I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, yeah. I agree with you. It's on the list. Even if, even though I told you it wasn't on the list earlier, but now it's on the list, even though you've already gone there, but maybe we'll go back. Yeah, I mean it's it's not a terrible drive from us. So also, I wonder that that haunted house because the actually all of the locations that you covered on this one are, are pretty damn cool. So yeah, the, the I mean it's it ended up being a joy to cover this, which is weird to say because the other difference is Albany, although the state capital of New York, doesn't feel like a state capital, right? When you, when you think of state capitals, you just think of these like uh, like it's it's supposedly the biggest city in, in the state or close to it. And Albany's not not 
I mean, in comparison, it's not as big as New York City, obviously. Yeah, like it's it's no New York City. That's some of the most shocking stuff is that you know New York City is not the capital of New York. Like it's yeah. <laughs> Ask a hundred out of a hundred people not from this country or just not from New York what the capital of New York is. I think most people will say it's New York City. Yeah, I mean, uh, totally understandable too. To your point, like it just it would be so. Albany, New York was a blast to cover. I need to, I, if I go back, I will go back to that graveyard and walk around it. I went there two days just to, just to go check it out, to try to get more, um, beautiful place. Like it is just an absolutely gorgeous cemetery. So if you are in the area, you've never been highly recommend just taking a trip there during the day, plenty of places to just park your car and kind of walk through it and, uh, find different parts. You can, like I said, you can visit the president, the president's grave, Chester A. Arthur, but, there's so much more to see than just that one grave. It is a, it's just a beautiful place to go. So go check it out. That was Albany, New York. Well yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, let's pull up. I believe we have at least one review here. So this is from KCG sent in on Facebook says, I'm not real tech savvy. So I'm just trying to, uh, I'm just trying to send you this message. You guys were one of my first podcasts I listened to and definitely my favorite along with a sports podcast I listened to. Love binging it. So I don't want to catch up, but I'm currently on one of the one about the cursed possessions that you could buy and please keep that up. That's the most I've laughed at on your show. Great job, guys. Thank you, Casey. You are a legend. Appreciate that. All right, for our VIPs, we have Dave D, Kate and Steve M, Blazora, Glitter Tees Cameron from Washington, Jennifer P, Dakota G. We have Nick, Donnie N, Inspires Gaming, Allison V, Robert H, Hometown Milkshake Stories brings all the ghosts to the yard. Very good, very quick. <laughs> J9, we have Mallory K, Demon King, who, oh, you, you donated $99.99 Super Chat, so thank you so much, Demon King, also a VIP member. Mom and Pops W as well, Lisa J, Daybot, Fighter of Nightbot, Champion of the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> you will go down, Nightbot. Still our most active chat member, though, so you guys got to step it up. For the uh, Warren's Wards, we have Hellhound Pup Cup. Nefarious Chad Poles, Wahidi Pirate, I Hate Rob, Julie G, Eugene M, Arcade Hunters, Siobhan Not Sharon, Kath Q, Liz Young, DC, Chris Connolly, LBPS Founder, Next, HTGS Guest, The Other, Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Stitch Kitten, Ambie Rose, Janice G, Lily, Rob, A Traveling Serial Killer. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. I'm the prettiest worm of all. Papa Squatch, Jake V, release the quacking bush. <laughs> and loving it. Thank you so much for being part of the Warren's Wards. Next up, we have the ghost pirate mafia cold warrior rob's ghost will wander aimlessly around the great state of ohio for all of eternity yeah. engineer mctibble's best best i can't say that word i don't want to keep trying bacon <laughs> from huska ohio d from h town mete us sarah b dominica queen chan's revenge angel f monster mom zero four shannon k ally dark snark rob the orphan hating dishwasher bubble boy drinking quack and bush top shop Top shelf liquor in a tree staring in Dave's window. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Character limits be damned. We've done it again. Uh, Megan S. Morgan S. How do how do ghosts take their eggs? Terra fried. <laughs> Mark Twain and the Haunted Grape. Sharon V. Wayne C. It's so hard to not sing that uh, in the How You Like Your Eggs. Eggs. Right over the last. last. <laughs> Wayne C. Kelly C. My milkshake brings all the frogs to the well. Crystal <laughs> Quinn, nice. Aaron A. Mina H. Colby. Daddy Rob's Not-So-Secret Dirty Magazines. Alicia E. I'm going to love if that name doesn't change and we get further and further away <laughs> from that episode and people don't know. Thick Boy Freddy's gallivanting around with Frog Coakley dishing out a baker's dozen murder murders most foul. Ghost Jesse. <laughs> And the ghastly gray lady. We have Hellhound serenading a black and white cemetery. Sam from Nepal. Joe, not going to be buried in white anytime soon. R. I understand that <laughs> reference, even if I butchered the reading of that. Paul from St. Louis, Al Capone, Huggy Bear. Rob should have gotten the V8. We have Solar Flare, right? Okay. <laughs> Anthony, the six foot tall bird headed spirit T. Cody G. Brandon W. Hooper the Hellhound, Soph, and Herbert Goebbelsson from Yerbling Durbenberg. <laughs> I had a tough time with that list today. Not your best work. So we're going to start it over. I'm going to go over <laughs> We're going to get it right this time. Now, you, thank you guys so much. More Jesse references in the Patreon. I, I feel I'm being attacked a lot. I feel like this is like the roast of Rob Coakley, and it's just... <laughs> 
you know, other people are writing my jokes for me. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, it is important. We we did go to Austin, Texas last week to cover all the haunted locations. We're going to have two Austin episodes coming up. We have one next week where we cover a lot of the Austin locations that we went to. And then the following week, we will cover the Driscoll, the Driscoll Hotel where we stayed. Very haunted stuff. Lots of fun. Very excited for these two big episodes. Yes. We will have a special guest on the part two. I believe that's where the dates line up. So excited for that. Once again, thank you to Matthew T for gifting 10 hometown ghost stories membership. Swanee for gifting 10. Thick Boy Freddy for donating $5 in super chats. Captain McSlugs for the $1.99 super chat. And Demon King with the big boy, pretty much $100 donation. So thank you so much for that. Absolute, absolute fucking legend. Love you guys. Um, I think that will pretty much do it. We will be back on Friday with some brand new side content, brand new Curse Possessions episode. And then back on Tuesday with some some Texas.